As you know, in a couple of days, the church will begin Lent with Ash Wednesday. And I know that on Ash Wednesday, there will be many people streaming at the churches. Many who practically never go to church. Many even not Catholics. Buddhists. People who are not even Christian. Many of them heard about the ashes. There's a certain appeal to getting those dirty ashes smeared over your head. You know, we receive those burnt palms that were once green and beautiful and swaying in the wind against a beautiful sunset. Silhouetted there on a beach somewhere. And now, they become black and dirty. Just a little pile of ash. You know, Fulton Sheen, he defines dirt as matter, but in the wrong place. Like if clay is in the garden, well, it's clay in the garden, that's good. It's clay. But if it's in the house, it's dirt. And we know that the church blesses this dirt to show that all things are created by God and all things are good and they can actually become holy even if they're just dirt. God can bless that dirt. And then she smears that on our, on our foreheads saying, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. So once a year, we're reminded of this because we need to be reminded because we often get so obsessed with ephemeral things, secondary things. All those things that we get maybe obsessed with are quite good and even praiseworthy. We like good exercise. Uh, we like good food. We like good movies. We like you know, enjoyable times with our friends. These are all good things. You know, we value them. They enrich us indeed, they, they do. But there's something about them we understand that are not, that it, they're not permanent. And somewhere, uh, we need better foundations. And Lent allows us to look at the foundations of our life. And because we see that in some atmospheres of young people especially, you can see young, good young people, they become kind of, Fun junkies. They wait for Friday night and so they can go out and enjoy themselves. Whatever they may do. Good, wholesome things, no doubt. Play sports, uh, have a blast at a party, uh, chill with their friends. For the boys, it's video games. You know. <laughs> Nothing wrong as such with all those things. Uh, but there comes a time that we understand life is not just about having fun. And we need to go to the foundations, we need a deeper conversion to the Lord, so they're not so addicted to the emotions of our life as the source of our joy, as the source of our excitement. Because we realize that when we focus too much on those emotions, 
we can become psychologically and spiritually rather fragile. Because as soon as they're not there, we, we can get down. And if often we are like these fun junkies, our whole moral code can become somewhat horizontal. We value what others say and think about us. We get wrapped up in the bro culture, right? The, the, the horizontal is when we value our friends, when we value our parents, we value uh, the, the sort of environment. And it's as though the Lord in Lent is asking us to value more the vertical dimension of our life. That's why the book of Joel the prophet Joel says, Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts, and not your garments. And this is what we will do for the next 40 days during Lent. And we ask the Lord to help us make these words of the prophet our own, meaning that we too must convert. And we must ask for a true conversion to go back to the foundations, to go back to what is essential. That is the first purpose of Lent, to arrive at a conversion that will renew us, will transform us, will not leave us the same. And in his letter for Lent, Pope Francis mentions the scene of the Transfiguration explaining that we have to be like the disciples who made that trek up that mountain, the hill, the mountain, Mount Tabor, to follow Jesus where they were alone with him in a kind of a, kind of a retreat. Getting there is like an uphill battle. It's going up a mountain trek that requires effort. It requires sacrifice. It requires concentration. I heard of a priest who went to the Holy Land and they went up Mount Tabor and he was exhausted when they came up there at the top. They needed something to eat. But that's what we're doing. That's what the disciples did. They, they followed our Lord up so that they could see that luminosity that had happened at the Transfiguration. Did the the Gospel relates that Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. This is the summit, the goal of the journey. And at the end of their ascent, as they stand on the mountain heights with Jesus, the three disciples, Peter, James and John, they're given this very unique grace of seeing Jesus in all his glory, resplendent with his supernatural light. That light didn't come from outside. It wasn't like a spotlight uh, on him, but it radiated from the Lord himself. The divine beauty of this vision was completely beyond what they could imagine. It was incomparably greater than all the efforts 
that the disciples had made going up Mount Tabor. I mean, they made a lot of efforts. You know, God bless them. But then one day, the reward that they got was like infinitely greater. It did not matter all that effort that they made. They didn't need food. They just saw it. And for us, to see this beauty of Jesus, this transfigured beauty of Jesus in our life, we need to convert. Because sometimes we think too much of ourselves, we, we inflate ourselves too much, we think, I'm just fine, I don't need to change that much, I'm too busy to change. If we thought in that way, that is, if for us, conversion was something really distant and not really that important, it would be a sign that we're kind of floundering, right? So as we're about to enter Lent, what does it really mean to convert? St. Josemaria said, Lent should suggest to us these basic questions. Am I advancing in my faithfulness to Christ? In my desire for holiness? In a generous apostle in my daily life? In my ordinary work? My callings? That's the question. Am I advancing? Right now, are you advancing? Am I going up that hill? And naturally, if we have to ask that question, it presupposes in some way that we're not advancing, or not enough. Maybe I should advance more quickly, more steadily in my faithfulness, in my deeper dreams for holiness, in my enthusiasm, my desire to become a saint, to ramp up my desire to experience the light of Jesus like that. Maybe I've just ended up in the jet stream, like a floating above the atmosphere, just moving along, not really improving, rarely just making even an effort. Perhaps I've just become a fun junkie. Just mainly doing things that are fun. So we ask the Lord now to help us really see how conversion really applies to us. Maybe we're not converts to the faith, like that. Maybe we didn't, you know, start in another faith and convert. But we still need conversion. And Lent is the ideal opportunity. And it's not going to happen on its own. We can't just wait for it to happen. He's asking us to go up that mountain. But it is worthwhile. Because the view from the top is not just a beautiful landscape. A place to take a a selfie. But the light-filled beauty of being in God's grace. And having that as the primary focus of our life. You know, a few years ago, Pope Benedict beatified Cardinal Newman in England. And in the homily, he spoke about the conversion of Cardinal Newman, John Henry Newman, in the 19th century. And he explained how Newman, in his early youth, he had a kind of vision of life 
that was very similar to many of his contemporaries, that God, of course, existed, didn't doubt that, but God was like, you know, yeah, he's out there. He's kind of vague. He's like a cloud out there. You know, you, you know, he's kind of out of his own reach. The only real thing was like the empirical, verifiable stuff in front of him, like the world in front of him, the here and now, those things that could be grasped, those things that could be calculated, those things that could be measured with evidence scientifically. That's what was really real. But in his conversion, Newman recognized that it's actually exactly the other way around. God in the soul, that is man's spiritual identity, that's what constitutes the genuinely real. That's what really counts. These are much more real than all those objects that can be grasped. That was the conversion that he experienced. He describes it as a Copernican revolution. What he had previously seen seemed unreal to him, God as kind of vague and secondary, was now revealed to him as really genuinely the most decisive thing in his life. And this realization changed his life. It's like, like uh, Nicholas Copernicus, this Polish mathematician and astronomer, he somehow figured out that, that it was the sun that was at the center of the universe. And the earth circulated around the sun and the other planets circulated around the sun. Before they thought, no, no, we're the center of the universe and the sun goes around us. That kind of makes sense. You, know, you see the sun rise and goes down. Well, they, it must be circulating around us in the solar system. But that was the Copernican revolution. The center of gravity around which our thoughts must turn must not be ourselves. It must be our Lord Jesus Christ, God, our Lord Jesus Christ, and then also around others, like the other planets. Right? We have to circulate around the sun. He has to be the center of our focus, the center of our purpose and our concerns. Lord, we ask you to let our life revolve around you around your concerns, your things. Otherwise, well, we end up just turning around our own things, our phone, our... Yeah, and we, we, we can end up being constantly distracted. We must go around God, the sun, and others, the other planets. Maybe, maybe just play, pray more for, for others. Pray for the Pope. Pray for the new bishop. March 25th will be installed. Pray for the new bishop. Bishop Frank Leo. Good guy. Wonderful guy. That's what we can ask. So Lent, we can do many things for that conversion. Maybe we can go through a media fast. Facebook fast, Twitter fast or something, or YouTube fast. And that way maybe we can purify our mind from the constant barrage of tweets and distractions that happen to us. All those things that ultimately are really quite secondary. Because after all, on our deathbed, 
will will we wish oh, I wish I'd done more tweets I wish I'd seen you know I wish I had a better Facebook page you know I wish I'd worked on that you know yeah and then people watch your Facebook page when you're dead yeah good you know and you'll get how many friends then I don't know there must be Facebook pages of dead people right I mean that is people who have died but maybe, in fact, what we realize is we don't spend enough time gazing upon the Lord. That divine beauty, like Peter and James and John there. And, you know, they were so incredibly happy when they saw him there. You know, Peter wanted to stay, let's make some tents, let's, let's do some camping, let's stay around. They just wanted to stay there. So, to make that trek closer to Jesus, the church asks us to undergo some penance. Traditional practices of penance, you just have to remember the FPA principle. FPA. Fasting, prayer, almsgiving. That's pretty easy, no? FPA. Fasting, you know, you forego something, it could be food, but fasting from other things like internet or foregoing your favorite podcasts. Prayer, which teaches us to abandon all the idolatry, all the self-sufficiency of our own ego. We ask the Lord, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on me, Lord. Almsgiving, well, simply, of course, strictly speaking, giving to those who are less fortunate, maybe donate our time, Donate sort of time to be with others, give of our abilities, our money. Maybe because we're just too uh, attached to things. The key is not to stay the same during Lent. I'm sure that Peter and James and John never forgot what they saw. They never forgot that experience of the luminosity of Jesus. That just completely changed them and of course it made them so strong when they followed Jesus to the cross. They were transformed by that. And uh, they were tired when they got there. But they definitely said it was worthwhile. And I hope that by the time you get to Easter you will be tired. You will have fasted. You will have you know, denied yourself somewhat. Or a lot, and in a certain way you will be tired. But you will say, upon arriving at Easter, it was worthwhile. That is a beautiful way to prepare for Easter. Let's ask the Lord to help us and articulate the FPA principle, fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. And we'll really arrive at Easter well prepared. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.